So in our series, uh, we've been essentially talking about what it means uh, to be a Christian, what it means to live a, a different life on the other side of the empty tomb, uh, how God has called us to be different. And if you weren't here last week, uh, last week we talked about essentially what you have to understand is Christians have a different identity. And not just an identity that they identify with, but your identity, <coughs> excuse me, your identity is really how you live your life. It's the operating principle of where you live, what you do. It, it, it goes to everything that you base your life off of. And today, where we're going to go next then in answering this question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian, a disciple? is we're going to talk about expectations, what you can expect from God and what Jesus expects of his disciples. Now, expectations, we all have them. What exactly are they? Well, expectations, um, I guess if we were to define it, it's essentially like our strong feelings or our strong belief in what we believe we will experience with whatever the subject matter is. We, we have expectations all over the place, right? You have expectations for your job. You have expectations for school. You have expectations for the client who's going to come in and how that conversation is going to go. You have expectations with the contracts that you have and the other person. You have expectations for your romantic relationships. You have expectations for your family, right? You have expectations of retirement. Was that? We all have expectations, right or wrong. We all have expectations on how we assume those things are going to go. And what we deal with in life is not so much the expectations, but the gap between expectation and reality. So, for example, we probably all had it where we went to a restaurant that someone referred us to, and say, they said, it's great. You're going to love this place. Five-star restaurant. It's just amazing. It's, you know, oh, the food was great. The drinks were awesome. The, the service was fabulous. So your expectations are way up here. Okay, let's check it out. And maybe they talked it up a little too much. Because maybe you went and reality was like down here. The service was meh. The food was subpar. Uh, things were just not really well done to your liking at all. And so that whole time you just said, yeah, I don't think I'll be back. What are you dealing with? Here's your expectations. Here's reality. And that gap, we call that gap disappointment. So then some would say, well, yeah, maybe uh, what we should do is just walk around in life with, like, no expectations or the lowest expectations possible. And I'm not saying you need to lower the bar too low, because if you lower the bar too low, that leads to a gap that we call delusion, okay? So, for instance, uh, you, okay, I just have zero, or, or my expectations are so low and everything, and you walk into a Taco Bell and you think, oh, I got tacos, I got burritos, five-star restaurant, and people would say, you're a little crazy, you're a little delusional, okay, right? So, we don't want to be there either. What do we need to do? We need to have realistic expectations, right? And the reason why we're talking about this is because Jesus needs to make sure and wants to make sure crystal clearly for his followers, his immediate disciples, and you and me today to make sure you understand realistically what you can expect and what he expects of you if you're going to say, I'm a Christian and I'm a, I'm a follower of God. Because I often find that it happens where I'm talking to people where they intellectually understand the gospel message. Jesus, Jesus died, but he rose. Good Friday and Easter, right? Um, the forgiveness of sins. I have life eternal, and, and I'm totally saved from my sins. Isn't this great? 
So I guess it doesn't really matter how I live my life after this point because, hey, I got to get out of hell free card, right? And what that leads to is, is delusionment. Like, like no, you're, you have a misunderstanding of what it means to be a Christian. And on the flip of that, some people say, well, yeah, the cross, the empty tomb, the gospel message, I'm saved. God loves me unconditionally, so that means that following him, he's going to bless me in everything, right? He's going to prosper my bank account. He's going to prosper my life. All of my relationships are going to be great. I'm never going to go through any suffering. I'm never going to go through any trials. Your expectations are sky high, and reality hits. And what happens? You suffer. And God doesn't bless you according to your agenda and your plans every single way that you want. And what do we call that gap? Remember, disappointment. And what happens when you experience that disappointment? You get frustrated. And just like a restaurant that maybe you don't want to return to, maybe you really start questioning, is God really real? Because that did not, this experience did not fit my expectations of what I thought God's promises were. When it's not God who's the problem, it's you, but maybe you walk away from it. So that Jesus says this is incredibly important. For his disciples to know, okay, if you have an identity in Christ, if the Spirit converted you, if he did all the work, then what does the life of a disciple, what does following Christ actually look like then? And Jesus, in no uncertain terms, basically says this, following Jesus will not always be easy, period. It's not. Many of you know that following Jesus often means having to be more patient, having to be more kind, more gracious, which you would expect if, in, in a sense, not Christianity. Christianity isn't just imitating Christ, but you would expect that. It, it means swimming up against the cultural grain or the current of society and popular opinion. It means oftentimes giving up your comforts, sacrificing, being generous. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. It's not convenient all the time. So what are you saying, Pastor? Well, not what I'm saying. Here's what Jesus says. What, what does a life of discipleship look like? He just says it so clearly here. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. And for our sermon, this is what we're going to use as our outline. Each of those three things to digest it and understand just exactly what is implied in denying yourself and taking up your cross and following Jesus. So let's take that first one, deny yourself. What does that mean? Well, you think of the word deny. That is a four-letter word that we do not like. We do not like that word. A five-year-old does not like to be denied another piece of their Easter candy, right? Nope, don't like that. Um, you write a letter to college to get into the college, and you get a letter back, and it says, we regret to inform you that, 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 and it doesn't matter, you throw it in the trash, because you were denied, and nobody likes to be denied. You go, and you ask this pretty girl out on a date, and you hope she says yes, and she says no, and we get denied, and you don't like being denied. Nobody likes to be denied. But what makes this even harder is what Jesus says. He doesn't just say, be denied, but he actually says, self-denial. He says, disciples, my disciples, have to have an attitude of self-denial. Now, you've got to understand how insanely difficult this is for Christians. 
really for anybody. In our culture, in our society right now, not saying this is a bad thing, but just, well, think of how much you are marketed to where this message is not deny yourself, but it's just the opposite. Indulge yourself, okay? Uh, Think of whether you're a golf aficionado, a baseball aficionado, a basketball aficionado, a football aficionado. You know what? You don't need cable anymore. If you want to watch movies, if you want to watch shows, think of anything that you could ever want to watch, and guess what? You don't have to leave your house anymore. You have on-demand streaming services that bring it right through your router into your TV screen, and you you can just... You don't even have to shower that day. You can just sit down and watch whatever you want. You don't even have to hardly put any effort into it. It's just right there. And you want to talk about no effort. We have this giant online store called Amazon, and it's amazing because you can just anything that you could dream of, right? Like seriously, think of like this crazy tool gadget, and Amazon probably has it, but it gets better. They don't just have it. But with Amazon Prime, click one button, and it's at your house in 24 hours, 48 hours. You don't have to, gone are the days of getting dressed and going in the car and, oh, so inconvenient, going and shopping through a store and having to, no, even groceries, Instacart, go online, boom, pick it up, done. Wow, we are, our society sells, indulge yourself, whatever you want, you have it, you can, you deserve it, you must have it, you won't be happy unless you have it, but it's not just the stuff, but it's the central message to your core that our world simply says this, our culture says this, be you. You heard that before? Just be you. Just be true to yourself. Well, that's all you have to do. Just be true to yourself. You do you. Don't you let anyone tell you what's, do, what, what's wrong. You just be you. And as long as you're true to yourself, then, then we love that. Why do we love that? Well, because A, it says I'm in control. I have the right to do what I want. And also, there's a not-so-subtle message that says, well, who's to tell me I'm wrong? Because I'm just being true to myself. How can I be wrong if I'm being true to me, if it's true to me? And we love that because it placates to a sinful nature inside of us that says, yes, I am the master of my own life. And you know what Jesus says is so wrong about that message? You. What's wrong with the message, be you? It's It's you. Because he says, if you're going f- to be my disciple, then a life that is so filled up with you, that is all about you and you being you, well, it can't be about me. It can't be about what I want for your life. It can't be about how I, God Almighty, might know a little bit more than you. He says, the problem with that is you have to deny yourself. You have to say no to yourself. You have to lose yourself if you're going to find life in me. So, Pastor Cook, what exactly are you saying? What, what practically does this look like? Well, there's a lot. We could say maybe in our groups, small groups this week, girl groups this week, we'll, we'll talk about it. But here's, here's just some, some things to get you started. Are you an impatient person? Are you someone who easily flares up in anger and gets, uh, just kind of flies off the handle a little bit. And have you ever said the phrase, well, that's just my personality. That's just who I am. You know what Jesus says to that? Then deny it. Then deny yourself. You know, maybe you're someone who's lived in the, uh, 
the suburbs of, of greater Chicago to the north here, and you've lived here your whole life, and you know how Chicago is. Combine big city, Chicago, Midwest, and everything, you know, and Chicago, right? And you got a terrible accent, I know. But, like, right, you guys know that, okay, maybe, maybe I'm just a, a bit of a jerk, or maybe I speak a little more blunt or a little more harsh and whatnot. But, hey, I, that's just how I was raised. It's just part of the environment that I grew up in. You know what Jesus says? I don't care. Deny yourself. Struggle against that. You don't get to excuse that sin, that way of thinking with anything just because, oh, that's how I... He says, no, deny it. Follow me. Subordinate that ego. Subordinate that part of you to me. Change. But a life about you, a life that is self-indulgence, there is no change. But a life of denial, self-denial, that is change. That is transformation that the Spirit works inside of you. But it is hard. It is insanely difficult. And the question you have to ask yourself is, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to deny yourself those wants, those pleasures, those impulses inside of you? Are you willing to do that? Because Jesus says that's the mark of a disciple. That's what you should expect Christianity to be. And if you're thinking already, yeah, that's a little hard, that's just part one. (laughs) We have two more to go. Aren't you so glad you came to church today, right? Part two, Jesus says, pick up your cross. Pick up your cross. Carry your cross daily. What exactly does that mean? Well, let's think of what a cross is. A cross is not just a symbol. A cross is not just a piece of jewelry or a necklace or a tattoo you might get, but a cross in and of itself, understand what that was. That's a means of suffering and pain and torture and execution. That's what it is, right? If if the Romans saw you, like, walking around with a cross necklace or a tattoo of a cross, they think you're absolutely nuts, crazy. That's like a lethal injection or or an electric chair around your neck that you're, right? That's what it really was. The cross, when you were executed by crucifixion, when you were sentenced to crucifixion, It wasn't just Jesus, but you see it. What you had to do was not just be crucified, but you had to carry your cross, your own instrument of suffering and death, on your back to the place where you would be crucified. So in other words, carrying your cross means you're willingly going through some suffering, willingly, actively saying, I'm going to suffer. But it's not just any suffering. You know, sometimes I, I hear someone maybe say something like, well, yeah, my car broke down, or, oh, I got sick, I got this head cold or whatever. It's just the cross that I have to bear. That's a misunderstanding because everybody suffers in some way, right? In this life, the, the consequence of living in a sinful, broken, fallen world is that we are going to experience suffering. But Jesus doesn't say to the world, carry up your cross. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to carry your cross. So it's not just suffering, but what is it? Disciples suffer for Jesus. It's that suffering that you will endure because you're actively living out your faith. So what does that mean? That means when your boyfriend breaks up with you because you're not willing to go as far as he wants to push you sexually or physically because you're like, I, my God says that this is something to be enjoyed in marriage. That means when your friends, they just cut all ties with you. Why would they do that? Well, because you lived out your faith. You shared with them, Jesus 
because you love them enough and you want them to know Jesus and you weren't a jerk about it. You were patient about it. And maybe you stumbled into a conversation and, and you said you don't support their lifestyle. And it's nothing against them personally. But it doesn't agree, it doesn't line up with God's will. And that was all they needed to say, you're a bigot. You're cruel. You're mean. And I don't want you in my life. And that hurt, that hardship, it hurts. It's a cross. It's when your friends kind of roll their eyes at you and just like, and you you get the relational distance that they want to put in place because you won't go out and indulge in their drinking and all the other stuff because what they call fun, you call sin. And and again, you're not trying to say like, I hate you person, but you're saying I love God more. And so they're starting to put this distance in you, not invite you out to those things. You feel left out. That's the cross that you bear because of your following Jesus. It's when you actually get laughed at to your face because you believe that God created the world in six days? Come on, nobody believes that. Will you actually believe that Jesus was real? Like not just the teacher, but he was actually God and he rose from the dead? You, you believe that? <laughs> because you, you take the Bible literally? And we could go on and on and on. But that's what Jesus says. Are you willing to do that? And as, if, if you were here, I don't know, about a month or so ago, we talked about how easy it is to say, oh yeah, totally, I'll, I'll do that. I'll follow Jesus wherever you go. I'll pick, take up my cross. It's easy to say that in a place like this, but when you're out there, you know, when you're in the minority, when you're actively engaged in that conversation and you know, you know what you, you need to say, but it's going to be so uncomfortable or you think they're going to reject you, and so instead you, you take that cross and you, you place it off your back and you just say, I'm going to, I'm just going to walk away for a moment of convenience, for a moment of comfort. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, not just deny yourself, but you need to willingly suffer for me. Can you do that? And if that's maybe not what you expected being a Christian to be about, Jesus says one more thing. Follow me. And if you're taking notes, this is maybe the simplest one. Disciples follow the leader. Shocking, <laughs> right? Not, not, not anything too earth-shattering, ground-baking, and yet sometimes it's the simplest things that are the hardest. Because if you follow the leader, leaders lead, followers follow. So by definition, in your life, if you are to follow, if Jesus says, follow me, then that, that means that you are not the leader of your life, but he is. And that goes against every single thing that, that we have of our nature. We, by nature, none of us want to, to follow, to get behind someone else. We want to lead. We want to be the master of our own ship. We want to be at the steering wheel of our own life, right? Just this morning, just about ready to get out here, and my two-year-old was awake, and there was a bag of uh, Fritos chips that was left on the table from one of our small groups, and he sees it, and he goes to it, and he says, chips, I want chips, daddy chips, open chips, <laughs> and I said, no chips, no chips, we're not doing chips, and what did he say, open, open, and he keeps going on and on and on, and, and he does not like no. Imagine that. I know Sawyer's cute, I know he's adorable, but imagine that, a two-year-old doesn't like being told no. Why? 
because how dare you, adult man that I have to submit to, tell me how to live my life. Tell me I have to follow you. When you get older, and all you parents, I'm, I'm taking notes, okay? <laughs> right? Like, the teens, the eye rolls, the size. What, what, what upsets you more? Oh, geez. Or maybe a combination of both, right? What is that? And teens, I'm sorry, I'm not meaning to pick on you because adults, we do it all the time too. I'll get there. But right, what, what is that? That is a willful rejection of how dare you lead my life and tell me I have to follow. And like I said, adults, we think, okay, well, we grow out of that. No, we don't. You've heard me say this again and again and again. We don't grow out of this when we get older. If anything, we embrace it all the more to the point where someone tells us something we don't want to do. Are you saying you just willingly follow and submit and No, we, we, we want to lead our life. We, want, we, we cannot stand being told what to do and how to do it, right? And so when Jesus says, follow me, this is perhaps the most challenging thing for people because so many people want to look at Jesus as if he's just kind of this glorified assistant, like this Siri that I can pull up on my phone, right? This Alexa that's just right there in the house and like, uh, hey, Jesus, could you fix this problem for me? Thank you. Uh, hey, Jesus, um, I just wanted to uh, ask you about this question that I have in my life so I can lead my life. And, right, you don't go to an assistant for life direction. You go to an assistant for help, right? for assistance. right? Jesus says, let's get one thing straight here. If you're going to be my disciple, then by definition, a disciple is underneath someone else. They do not lead, they follow. And I think one of the best analogies, the best illustrations I've ever seen of this that just really put it <laughs> so succinctly for me, it was um, listening to a guy named Tim Keller. He's a retired pastor, Christian apologist, uh, well-respected name in the Christian community. And Tim Keller talks about this time when he was a, a Christian boy in a Christian summer camp, and there was a speaker named Barbara Boyd. And Barbara Boyd was talking to the whole camp, and Barbara said, now, if I were to come to your house and knock on the door, and you open the door, and you say, oh, come on in, Barbara, but stay out void. She says, I, I can't do that. I can't, I'm not two halves of the same person that you can just separate. Like, if, if Barbara comes in, then so does Boyd, and if Boyd has to stay out, then, then so does Barbara. And do you see what she's saying? Like, if you think that your relationship with Jesus can be, Jesus, thank you so much for saving me. I want your forgiveness. I want your grace. I want you to heal my life, my messes. I want you to bless me with all of these things. But stay out, Lord. I don't want you to tell me how to live my life. I don't want you thinking that you know the best of, of how I should live. I want to still be in charge. I want to still be able to call the shots. I want to do those things. You can't have Barbara without Boyd. You can't have Jesus as your Savior and not as your Lord. He's your Lord because he's your Savior. He's your Savior because he's your Lord. They're not two halves. They're one and the same person. So to think that you could, your relationship with Jesus could be one that like, well, yeah, um, 
you know, he's cool and all, but I, I, I still think I know a little bit better of how to run my life than Jesus does. Can you imagine how arrogant that actually sounds? Like, that would be like if uh, Michael Jordan, in his prime, and probably still today, were to come over to your house, and you're like a JV high school point guard saying, Michael, here's some ways that, you know, you could probably, um, you know, go to the lane a little bit harder and a little bit better. I, you giving Michael Jordan life advice, basketball advice, you really think that's a good idea? No, if, if he was over at your house, if your mom, your dad, you would say, listen to whatever he says, follow his follow him. Jesus Christ, the God of the universe. How is that any different? Deny yourself. Subordinate your identity. Take up your cross. Be willing to suffer for Jesus. And follow him. Humble yourself. Get behind him and admit you don't have all the answers Jesus does. Is this not like the worst sales pitch in the world? Like, like, Jesus, are you trying to recruit people or are you trying to scare people away, right? Like, this is like going to the car lot and the salesman comes out and he says, well, let me show you the car. She's nothing pretty to look at and, you know, the paint's probably going to fade and it's probably going to rust out. doesn't have air conditioning. The ride's super uncomfortable. It doesn't accelerate particularly fast. It has no bells and whistles. Like, are you trying to sell me this thing or are you are trying to run me out of here? Jesus, what are you saying? If, if this is what it means to be a disciple, if this is what it means to live differently, why would you do it? Like, why would anyone sign up for this, so to speak, right? Because with Jesus, different is always better. Because it doesn't just say, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You know what Jesus did? He did these things for you. Right? The Son of God, in heavenly bliss, denied himself the comfort and the convenience that he could have had and entered into this world, the brokenness of humanity and history, walked among this world, experienced the effects of sin, and and though he was not sinful at all, he saw it firsthand. He experienced it. He he got a taste of what it was like. And, And what did he do? He took up his cross, a literal cross that we just celebrated a few weeks ago. He took up a cross that he was nailed to, and he suffered hell for. The punishment for all your sins, right? The The times where you did not follow, when you did not take up your cross, when you could not deny yourself, he took all of that onto himself. All to follow the God, his father's plans. What were those plans? Father, your will be done. Father, Father, whatever you want. And the father said, my will is that you die for them. He said, okay. He lost himself so that he could have you. He went from heaven, experienced hell. My God, why have you forsaken me? All the way back. So he could have you rescue you and redeem you from your sins. So why would you follow him? 
Because when you understand the love, that crazy, sacrificial, unconditional love of God, there is only one, one response. Jesus, I'll deny myself. I'll take up my cross. I will follow you wherever you tell me to go. Because what does Jesus say? Whoever wants to save their life, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. It seems crazy. Maybe into the outside world, why would you look this way? If you're looking at it from a worldly perspective, yeah, maybe I could understand that. But, but if the Spirit opens your eyes and you see what this is, it's not a life of misery. It's not a life of inconvenience and discomfort. You know what this is? This is, this is a life without shame. This is a life without guilt. This is a life free from the burdens of sin that are weighing so many people down. This is a life of satisfaction. Because while the world says health and wealth and fame and fortune, yeah, all those things fade and spoil. and They don't last. But Jesus says, I do. I last beyond this world. I satisfy your life of now and then. This is a life of hope. Because you're going to suffer. You will. Jesus guarantees it. You and I, every single person in this life experiences suffering. But you have hope because God promises that he uses that suffering for your good, like we saw in Joseph's life when he couldn't see it. And maybe you will never see it, but it doesn't mean it's not true. It's a life of peace. Because this peace means that when everything else is said and done at the end of your life, you know exactly where you are going and the inheritance that is yours in Christ alone. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Pastor, are you saying that if I do these three things, then I'm a disciple? No. You're a Christian only because of what Christ has done for you. Denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him is the only proper response then to say thank you. Jesus did not look at his disciples and say, Peter, James, John, all you guys, you guys, if you do these things, then I will go to the cross. No. He says to you, I'm going to the cross, period. Now follow me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, living difference does not come natural. Living for you is totally against our nature because our nature wants to indulge in itself and be all about itself. It wants to be comfortable. It wants to live a convenient, cushy life. It wants to live for the here and now. And you are so countercultural. You flip everything that we think we know upside down on its head. Lord, it is difficult. It is hard. But you show us why. It's not so that we can earn a spot in heaven. It's not so that we can prove our faith to you. No, we do this in response of everything you did to a world that was self-indulging, to a world that wanted a convenient life, to a world that just wanted to, to think they knew better than you. You came. You gave up your life. 
You lived for us. You lost yourself to find us, Lord. May that love so melt us, so transform us, that through your words today, we would understand every single day our opportunity and our privilege to follow you so that we could see what we expect but not see it as a, as a terrible thing, as an inconvenience, but rather as a way to say thank you and a way to live out our lives to the world as a way to declare you as the God of our lives. Give us the strength and give us your spirit to do this. It's in your name we pray. Amen.